it's hard to think of a plant with more potential than hemp. So why aren't we doing more with it? Welcome to the Circular Economy podcast. I'm your host, Catherine Wheatman, and I started this podcast to help people discover why circular, regenerative and fair solutions are better for people, planet and prosperity. Some people think going circular means swapping a few materials or making things a bit more recyclable. But that's nowhere near enough to create a healthy, resilient and zero carbon world where we can all thrive. Many organisations are missing the game-changing potential of going circular. The disruptors in this space are using circular strategies to reimagine how to create value for all their stakeholders. They're doing better with less. We'll hear from those inspiring people who are challenging business as usual and rethinking how we design, make and use everything. You'll find the show notes and links at circulareconomypodcast.com where you can subscribe to podcast updates, my Circular Insights newsletter and check out my award-winning A Circular Economy Handbook. It's episode 121. Welcome back and thank you for taking the time to listen, share and recommend the podcast. And I'm sorry about the poor state of my voice this time. I caught a cold from my husband and then spent most of the last 24 hours in bed with a migraine. Today, though, we're going to meet two inspiring people who are passionate about the properties and potential of hemp, especially for textiles. Their journey together led them to found a UK business, Contemporary Hempery. Claire O'Sullivan is a studio jeweller with a Master of Arts in Entrepreneurship for Creative Practice. Her interest is in the place where art and commerce come together and in processes which take raw materials through to products. Claire says her involvement in hemp sprung from a sense of place, living in what was once the centre of a thriving and economically important hemp growing and processing industry. Kitty Wilson-Brown is a textile artist and weaver. Kitty graduated at Chelsea College of Art, University of the Arts in London, in 2021. She studied weaving in Tokyo and completed an internship at the Liverpool Weaving Company. Kitty focuses her work on sustainability, including growing flax, hemp and plants for natural dyes. So why don't we hear much about hemp? You might know that hemp is the ingredient in CBD oil and, of course, in cannabis. But that variety or subspecies of hemp is different to the plants used in industrial products. In the United States, especially, industrial hemp is seen as a threat to lots of profitable synthetic products. And so those companies spend a lot of money campaigning to stop it becoming a legalised crop. Hemp is already grown at scale in 30 countries and the European Union sees a broad range of opportunities with benefits for farmers, industrial sectors and people. 
Hemp is already grown across Europe, and since 2015, the land given to hemp cultivation has increased by 60%, while the yield has increased by over 80% to around 180,000 tonnes a year. And the European Union lists some important environmental benefits. Firstly, carbon storage. Hemp captures and stores pretty much the same amount of carbon as a young forest, but the hemp only takes five months to grow. Secondly, when used in crop rotations, hemp helps, helps to break the cycle of diseases, and its fast growth and large leaves prevent other weeds from growing. Thirdly, it prevents soil erosion, covering the ground just three weeks after germination. It supports biodiversity. The flowering cycle in Europe usually happens between July and September, a time of year when there isn't a massive amount of pollen available from other crops. What's more, hemp produces large amounts of pollen, provides shelter for birds, and hemp seeds are an important food for animals. And as I mentioned, hemp is susceptible to very few pests which means it needs little or zero insecticides, herbicides and fungicides. And what about the uses of hemp? Every single part of the plant can be used, from the flowers and seeds down to the roots. Fabric from hemp fibre is very similar to linen, and so the European Union sees it as an ideal, sustainable raw material for the textile industry. As we'll hear, interest is already growing, certainly with a few companies in the UK starting to make clothing, bags, bed linen and household or commercial textiles using hemp. We can use hemp seeds as human food and animal feed. They contain high levels of protein and useful fibres, vitamins, omega-3 and minerals. Hemp's already being rediscovered as very useful carbon-positive construction material, with three main products being lime hemp concrete, LHC, hemp wool and fibreboard insulation, all excellent insulating products. Hemp can be used to make paper and there are a myriad of other uses including as an alternative to plastic and in cosmetics, personal care and other health products. In this episode, we'll hear more about some of the uses of hemp across different sectors, about the little-known history of hemp growing in the UK, and some of the ways it, it was used, many of them absolutely essential to our industrial evolution. We'll also hear about some of the current issues in terms of hemp production and processing. And Kitty and Claire share the story of how they came together, the amazing coincidences that sparked their interest and what drove them to start Contemporary Hempery, to embark on this long and complex journey to rescue hemp for regenerative contemporary textiles. So let's meet Kitty Wilson-Brown and Claire O'Sullivan with Kitty answering my first couple of questions. Kitty and Claire, welcome to the Circular Economy podcast. And I'm really looking forward to finding out more about hemp. Uh, I know a little bit, but I'm sure there's loads, loads more to know. And for those who aren't familiar with it or think it's only for medical use and even recreational drugs, could you please explain what it is and why it's so important that we should be reviving this as a crop? 
Yes, so it is said that um, hemp has over 50,000 uses. It is the only plant that I know that can heal us, house us and clover us. Um, to grow industrial hemp in the UK, it's got to be have contained 0.2% THC. So you could smoke a whole field of hemp if you want and all you're going to get is a sore throat. You, it, has so no, it has no psychoactive properties. Um, yes, yeah, so hemp has over 50,000 uses. I'm just going to talk about a few of them. Construction. 50,000. <laughs> yeah, but that's what, that's what we keep getting told. So. Wow. wow. <laughs> and it, okay. I can believe it, actually. <laughs> um, construction, I think, is a really key one here um, to be building sustainable houses because you can make um, hempcrete. So you can obviously pay, can replace concrete with hempcrete. Mm -hmm. uh, you can make insulation from hemp. Uh, hemp wood so you can bit nearly build an entire house from hemp you can even fuel your house from hemp you can make bioplastics uh, food is a good one it's the highest proteinous plant and the seeds contain all eight amino acids uh, you can make paper from it um, there's a story that henry ford in 1941 i think it was built nearly entire car from hemp and fueled it from hemp um and biomass and we are growing hemp for textiles here in the uk um and you can make hemp textiles from the finest li linens to the strongest ropes wow and what i when i had a look at hemp a few years ago what also impressed me is that you can use every part of the plant so it's not just about the stalks yeah. Um, you know, it's, as you talked about, the, you know, the seeds are nutritional, but there's even things that you can do with the roots. It's kind of every, every single bit of the plant. Yep, um, you, you absolutely can. I think, however, you cannot maybe always get the best of what you want it for if you grow it for everything. So, mm. for instance, if you want to grow it for the seeds, um, we, we harvest it before it flowers so we don't because uh, so we won't have the seeds because we want softer fiber for textiles um right. so yes you can get everything through one plant but i don't think you'll always get the highest quality if you did it that way mm. that yeah so you kind of need to decide what what the main purpose is and yeah. then look to see what byproducts you could yeah and they definitely will buy products there'll be some out there it just uh like the fiber would be a bit more suited for ropes rather than finer textiles if you were growing for seeds that kind of mm, thing sure yeah that's interesting and the other brilliant thing about hemp is that you know it requires very little inputs so could you tell us a bit more about that that aspect yeah, of it um, it was amazing to see actually um I've, I've grown a few plants i grow my own vegetables in cornwall and stuff like that and gardens a lot of work battling the weeds and the insects and fighting everything off and for our first year growing uh, we just put the seeds in the ground and it just shut up it grew and grew and grew and we harvested it um, after about two months and that was the summer we had, had heat waves all summer we didn't water it um, hemp has no insect enemies so you didn't need to use any pesticides no fertilizers we literally just put the seeds in the ground and it grew and grew and grew we worked out some days it was growing 2.6 centimeters every day <laughs> it's said that hemp um, absorbs more co2 than a new growth forest um, and it has also a really deep root system that can reach far down into the soil um, which can actually help to remineralize the soil and um, to leave the soil in better condition for for the next crop so mm. we actually after we grew that uh, the farmer we grow uh, where we grow the hemp he wanted us to do nine times as much this year just 
the fact that it leaves the soil in better condition and also hemp kills all other weeds so as it goes it takes over weeds so it left the land in such better condition he just wanted us to grow a lot more of it this year mm. so it's basically smothering the other weeds because it's growing so fast yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah amazing and um it turns out that hemp has got a long history of being grown in the uk even though it's perhaps um, a little bit niche now and in the us you mentioned henry ford um so do you want to tell us a little bit more about that and and you know does that mean it's because we've been doing it for so long that it's easy to process into these different end products well part of the reason that we started this project was because i am now have moved into this village in suffolk which turns out was really the epicenter of the historical um, hemp industry. So the Waveney Valley, which is just a small little river valley uh, here in North Suffolk, turned out at one time 8% of the entire UK's output of hemp clothing, hemp cloth. Did you so say must... 80%? No, only 8%. Eight, 8%, but, 8%, but a from a, a tiny village, yeah. A tiny yeah. place. Yeah. So um, not only were we growing tons of hemp here, but from port records, we can see that we're importing tons and tons of seed and tons and tons of unprocessed straw as well to feed the uh, fiber industry that was worse here. It's something people know very little about for some reason. Suffolk's well known for its wool trade, but I think because a hemp was more for poor people's clothing and sort of household linens, it's been sort of forgotten. It was always a cottage industry, so it didn't take part in big sort of factories and workshops. But that doesn't mean it was a small industry. Pretty much everybody in this region would have worked with the hemp at some point, agricultural workers for sure. Women did all the spinning, children were spinning, men were weaving. Um, merchants were coming from Manchester and all over the country to buy their cloth in East Anglia in the 1600s, 1700s. Wow. So it was yeah. being made into cloth and then uh, ropes were important, weren't they, during the war? And they what were. else? What, is, what else was it kind of being used for? back then do you think well historically here it was it was for cloth that was mm. the thing it was an industry a fiber industry mm. uh, we didn't have big rope walks here um rope walks were more down in the south uh west right. however henry VIII and elizabeth first both brought in laws to say that anyone who was farming had to put a sixth of their land over to hemp growing in order to support the the navy the british navy with our were out conquering the waves uh, it was, I've read that um, a warship, so a 60 or 70 ton warship would need 10 tons of hemp to get under sail because canvas wow. is made of hemp. Yeah. Mm. Canvas actually comes from the word cannabis, the word canvas. Right. All ropes and rigging were made of hemp. The ships were corked with hemp. So hemp fiber was um, mashed with tar and then pushed in between all the, the planks to keep the thing watertight. The men on the ships wore hemp clothing. You know, if they had a Bible on board, it was probably printed on hemp. They took hemp seed with them to eat. So, you know, with, wow. without hemp, we would not have had a navy, basically. So it's, it's a really important part of British history. Yeah, wow. Wow, it's incredible, isn't it, to kind of un unpack all this it, yeah, little known, well, little little known to me anyway. Yeah, it's really <laughs> fascinating. It seems very unknown, even in this area that I'm living in, although the language of the um, industry is everywhere in the landscape. So we've got villages called Hempstead and Hempton and Hempnall and Rettery Cottages and Spinner's Bridge. Um, Hempsheaf Arms is one of the pubs at Stradbrook, which is the next village to me. So the language is there. But when I talk to people about it and they go, oh, I thought that. You know, it's just been disappeared. It's strange. 
Yeah, but it's it's really interesting the the kind of decentralized and cottage industry nature mm. of it as well because that fits yeah. right into the circular economy in terms of keeping things yes. local and decentralizing and um as Walter Stahl talks about it intelligent decentralization so making the most of modern technology to help connectors yes. you know connecting um buyers to to sellers and um helping people download patterns or just yeah. finding out how to how to use it and so on well although we you know there isn't mechanical we are struggling to find mechanical processing in this country because that industry has sort of gone it would not be difficult to set up small local plants you know it's not complicated if they could do it in 1500 we can mm. do it now you know it's not a complicated we don't need lots of technology just need people to get on board and uh, put put some effort into making these mills available mm. Yeah. So um, coming on to your business then, Contemporary Hempery, tell us how that came about and, and what you're actually making with the hemp. Well, as I sort of mentioned, it came about this sort of sense of place of, of arriving in this village, finding out some uh, interest. I was reading a book actually about pre-mechanised farming in this region and Kitty Hit was up for Christmas. And uh, we had a brief conversation. I was probably boring her saying, oh, I've just read this book about pre-mechanised <laughs> And that's where I realized I read in this book that hemp was a really big product. Kitty said, oh, I've always wanted to weave with hemp. And I blithely said, oh, we should try and grow some then. <laughs> and with that little conversation, uh, this whole project just came into being. And uh, it's just, as soon as the feet were on the ground, it's just been running. It's been a really fantastic and exciting thing to be involved in. Mm. And yeah. what, what were your backgrounds that kind of, you know, made you think that, you know, Kitty, why, why did you think, I want to weave with this what what kind of led you to that point um so yeah i'm coming from a very much of a textile artist um perspective um a sustainability was always a key focus of my work i've always using upcycle materials or natural materials um and uh, to be honest neither has really had an intention of setting up a hemp business <laughs> at all we, even when we had that discussion i just thought it was going to be like a little small fun project for a year that we grow some hemp and it just wanted to be more than that um it just really mm. did and it's kind of we've kind of felt like we followed it rather than led it to where it is um yeah so that's it that's it really and what about you claire what what's in your background that that kind of uh fits with this well nothing really i mean i've always been a, i do come from a farming family so i think maybe that was in there but um really i work as a jeweler so my work is with uh metal and minerals nothing to do with hemp or fiber or fabric or anything but um yeah i don't know it's just another way of, of creating and it's something that seems incredibly important to, it just seems a really important thing to do i mean mm. because of all the historical reading that i've done i understand that we had a really banging plant fiber industry in this country which supplied the people with clothing and with household linens mm. we could do that again without any problem we don't have to rely on uh, cotton coming from uh, America or from anywhere we don't have to rely on hemp fabric mm. coming from India uh, from China we don't have to rely on fabrics from India we could do it ourselves and that's what we're trying to show our project mm. is about reviving the growing of hemp in this country and about the production of really beautiful luxurious hemp fabric I think when people think when I say to people oh, we're growing hemp for fiber I can see them thinking ah oh, she wants me to wear a sack and I'm not gonna <laughs> because you know there are so many different fabrics that you can make out of hemp mm -hmm. 
Um, we're not here to make meters and meters and meters of plain porridge colored hemp fabric for someone else to make into trousers. Mm. A, that would be boring for us as creatives and B, we couldn't possibly compete on price mm. because you can buy beautiful hemp fabric from other parts of the world. Our mission is to make something really uniquely lovely. Mm. And as well as it being local and a you know beautifully home-produced fabric, there's all the advantages of it being a, a fantastic regenerative crop. Absolutely. Um, and I mean, that, the, the, that feels so important, doesn't it? It's as Kitty explained earlier on. It is a naturally organic plant. You don't have to be an organic farmer to grow it organically. It requires no inputs. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And leaves the soil in a better condition than it found it. I mean, that's you can't say that about any other plant. Mm. And locks up carbon along along the so way. Carbon. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you're making it into architectural products, of course. Mm. You know, you make that hemp um, shiv into hemp breeze blocks, put it in a house, bango, that's there two hundred, three hundred years. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I, th I think I might have mentioned uh, we uh, renovated our house that was built in 1750, and that's mm. now got a, a hempcrete floor um, with the underfloor heating under it, Fantastic. and about four inches of hemp, lime, and perlite uh, plaster on the walls to, to try and insulate what was essentially a dry stone wall. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, with, with rubble in the middle. Has um, it worked? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great. Um, so, yes, managed to get to an EPC of, of C, I think, which is which is quite good for a, yeah. <laughs> a house of that age. Yeah, great. So, yeah. So um, what what you mentioned um, the fabric. So what are you making with the hemp that you grow um, and what other products are you noticing as the industry kind of starts to get going a little bit? So. Yeah, we wanted to create really beautiful, exciting, colourful textiles. Uh, me and Claire both love colour. We're really passionate about it. Um, and through all my own creations, like pattern and colour are um, really, really important to me. Um, I always, we also think that people are quite bored of the word sustainability and circularity and regenerative. Um, so we want to... Uh, end goal maybe that's what we want to say we want to create fabric so beautiful and exciting and stylish and sexy um that we've got we've got people's attention by using the power mm. of that and then we can educate them actually do you know this is regenerative hemp blah 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 and when you've got people's attention i think that's going to be a better i think that could be a more powerful way to educate people on these fibers mm. not with, i think with natural fibers for textiles people have this image of browns and it's not stylish and I think it puts people off so we want to kind of change people's mindset through that mm. yeah that could be really powerful couldn't it that you know mm. here's this thing that's absolutely you know it's got a wow factor yeah and not only has it got a wow factor but there's all these other benefits that come with it so yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right that that's the way to kind of yeah. um get people's minds open to different possibilities mm. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so, um, are, what are you making creations that you then sell on the website, or are you selling into other brands? How how's that all working? Um, we're we're not very at, much. Sorry, Claire, you go. As you say, we're not really at that point yet. We've just finished our second harvest, um, and we are still in a sort of R and D situation where we're, you know, working on our dyeing situation. Kitty's growing a big dye garden um, and working on the processing. So we have made some small trials of 100% hemp which we think is probably the first 100% hemp grown in uh, East Anglia for 150 years or so 
um, we're not at a point where we we're selling anything as yet. Mm, okay, but the natural dyes and so on—that's all really interesting as well, isn't it? And I think there's um, a lot, a, a growing amount of interest in the chemicals that we use to process textiles and make them you know softer or the right color and so on and people are starting to realize that that's not necessarily just a kind of um a neutral process let's say you know it it brings lots of implications with it health wise certainly and then of course that is one of the things which prevents so much fabric from being truly circular in that you can't then just compost it because it's full of all these horrible chemicals Mm. as you've got hemp or Hemp fabric, which has grown organically and naturally dyed at the end of its life, when you finish wearing it, finish using it as a rag in the kitchen, it goes straight back into the crown. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so we really are talking about something that can be a nutrient um, for the yes. soil, not mm-hmm. not just, you know, um, something that can be discarded and kind of biodegrade, but it actually um, can, mm. you know, can can add something back to the soil as well as having locked up carbon on the way. So um, is there anything else that's kind of happened on the on the journey so far? I know there was the the sort of, um, you know, the initial reading the book and realizing that you were in a part of the country that had this heritage mm. that people had forgotten about. Is there anything else that's kind of been a, um, you know, set your mind in a direction and fate steps in to lend a hand? There's been a lot of connecting with other people that's been uh, a joy, I think both of us have really found that this natural fibre world um, and, and creators within this world are so open and so generous that uh, it really makes you think about the way that you've been living before. You know, connection, connection, connection and collaboration is the key for all of us as humans to go forward. And this world has certainly uh, shown me that very, very mm. clearly. Mm, that's interesting yeah, I, think, I think it's talking uh, uh, like connecting back to the land as well like people I think people just think fabric exists never mind what weaving is or knitting is never mind where it's even come from and it's just it's been amazing as an artist and a maker to do the whole entire process from putting the seed into the ground to watching it grow to doing all the ha- hands-on harvesting the hands that like realizing actually how much work it takes to like, what a meter p- a piece mm. of there's so much work and so many processes to end up with that result um, and I think that's been eye-opening for both of us and yeah just I think it gives cloth more value as well when you when you know how much it's take to get to get to this piece of fabric um, it adds more value to it and if you educate people in this process as well hopefully um, they would value what they're wearing a bit more as well. Mm. I think we're seeing a little bit aren't we with food um, mm. that people are starting to value knowing more about who who the farmer was you know if if it's an animal product how the animals lived um and kind of you know knowing that somebody's taken care in that process and that what they're doing is supporting that care and regeneration and so on so i guess it's a similar thing for fabrics and and all other products if we can kind of understand more about the process um Mm. and the care that has to go on uh, into making it then that encourages us to treasure that thing and and care for it which is which is what we need isn't it products that keep people keep for longer and pass on instead of this kind yes. of you know fast and disposable lifestyle that we've been encouraged um mm. 
to uh, to kind of buy into. And so, you know, how would you describe your your ambitions for contemporary hempery? And is there anything that's getting in the way of that? I would say our two main goals are revival of the industrial hemp in the UK and creating beautiful, luxurious, colourful patterned regenerative hemp fabric. Um, I uh, we are kind of facing a few small issues at the moment with the lack of mechanical processing here in the UK. Um, like there's there's nowhere in the UK that will spin 100% plant fibres currently. Uh, there is a few pe people we know who are working on developing it. Um, so we really hope that over the next couple of years that will happen. But the other only other option to get something mechanically uh, spun at this stage would be to send it abroad. And if we're trying to keep it local and sustainable, shipping... Mm things abroad just it doesn't really it's not really what we want to do right now um i guess another issue is the licensing um you need a license to go into your hemp which one it, it costs it costs money and you also have to get it from the home office and we know a lot of people who have also been rejected from having the license mm. and yet you sent me a link to the um, eu's website and the eu seems to be really encouraging um yes. hemp production as a regenerative so is the UK, you know, just kind of got its head in the sand or? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We, I mean, the, the Europeans are absolutely running away with us. I mean, you know, in Germany, they're growing lots of hemp. Uh, in France, of course, they've always grown lots of linen and now they're growing lots of hemp as well. The EU right behind it because obviously everything we've just said is not difficult. Mm. You know, it's pretty plain and in your face. This is a great crop, can help humans in so many ways. Um, and our government just nothing there mm. are a few mps one or two mps who are behind it and there are one or two people in the house of lords who are behind it but the wheels of government move very very slowly and unless something seems to be a really a top priority and you've got lots of people behind it you know nothing's happening there was a recently um a special interest group meeting which you could zoom into and uh there were a couple of mps there otherwise it was just people we know from the hemp industry and you feel a bit like everyone's just sort of talking to themselves. It's mm. just this closed loop bubble. And it when's it going to, you know, when are you going to step out of that bubble and actually make a change? You know, I, I put uh, in your in the notes a link to the East Yorkshire Hemp Farm. Mm. They're the biggest hemp farm in the UK. They're growing 500 acres. They are doing really well. You know, they, they do a lot of architectural products or, or the, the, that's what they sell the shiv for. They sell their fiber to a company called Chimera in Manchester who make um, contract furnishings. So it's a wool hemp blend all in the UK. Yeah, they've been on the podcast oh, a Chimera, couple of years they? ago. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant, Chimera. brilliant, yeah. brilliant company. Um, and, but some of his fiber, he does send it to Belgium where it gets um, cottonized and then it gets sent on to Bangladesh where it's blended, spun, woven, cut and sewn into jeans and sent all the way back to Marks and Spencer. Mm. It just seems like such a no-brainer, doesn't it, from the point it, of view of regenerative honestly, balance of payments, you yes. know, lo local industries in places yes. where, you yes. know, pe people would love to do things that are creative and, and kind of, you know, yeah. and, and would work around lifestyles if you don't have to traipse off to the nearest city and go and work in a, in a big yeah. factory, then, you know, it, it, yeah, it's amazing just yeah, the opportunities that are being yeah well overlooked. we killed our the plant industry that we had which i've just talked about was destroyed by two things really the industrial revolution colonization of india where we bought uh indian cotton and mm -hmm. american cotton 
back to the mills in the north where we sort of enslaved our own people in those hideous factories. Mm. Um, at the same time, that killed off our own plant fibre industry where we had it going on. You know, it was here. Mm. We were making that kind of fabric. No problem. We killed it. In fact, it was the destruction of the hemp industry in this area, which led to hundreds of thousands of people from East Anglia emigrating. So many wow. people, some of them actually emigrated, or well, they moved up to the north to work in, in fibre up there, but lots of lots and thousands of people went to Australia for the loss of the hemp industry in East Anglia. Mm. So, you know, it's not like we, we're not, we're, we're sort of reinventing the wheel. We know we can do it because it's already been done. Mm. Yeah, it's incredible. Well, it needs it needs powering up, doesn't it? Definitely. So exactly. So um, who do you know, Catherine? How can you help? Anyone you've got any connections there? <laughs> <laughs> well, in the in the links that you sent me, I was thinking, well, you know, Baukin, they've been on the on the yeah. podcast as well, and Kamira. And yeah. um yeah, maybe it's um I mean my my local MP is actually Rishi Sunak, but um and he and I have had a conversation about the circular economy quite a oh, few right. years ago. Um, but he um, he didn't take up my offer of going, going to talk to his team about all the opportunities it could unlock. Um, so uh, maybe maybe it's time to um, shout a bit louder. Yeah, some of our hemp was worn in the House of Parliament uh, a month or so ago. A friend had done a, a fantastic project called She Sees, which was about women in the maritime world. And an MP called Ruscani came to the opening and went away with one of the shawls, which included some of our hemp, and she wore it in the House of Parliament the next day so that's Brilliant. nice <laughs> yeah that's good maybe, maybe the first project needs to be shirts that you know kind of do you remember the um the coca-cola advert where it was all one one sentence you know kind of oh super, yes. yeah, super yeah, like, you know whatever it was yeah <laughs> um kind of you know make make a sentence about all the benefits of hemp and <laughs> and have, have that on the on the shirt so that there's no yeah. no getting away from the from the message yeah. <laughs> so anyway that was that was my kind of uh throw throw away <laughs> idea <laughs> So we're coming towards the end of our time um, and I'm interested to hear from you, uh, you know, when you're talking to other people, thinking about either going circular with their business or starting something that's regenerative and circular and so on. Um, what What's the lesson learned or top tip that you that you tend to share? Just do it. Yeah. First of it. all, if you've got an idea, do it. Collaborate, collaborate, connect, network, help each other. It's the only way forward for, for the human race. And, we and have, have so much fun with it. Everything we've done yeah. so far has been so much fun and we've met so many amazing people. And I also think just, I think with uh, when people start a business, they're so focused on the end result sometimes that they lose track of where it's going or where it wants to go. Um, and I think, yeah, just letting it grow organically sometimes um, and be open to where, where it can go. Mm. So, yeah, so... I guess in in the terms of hemp, it's about growing hemp and making pr beautiful products, but maybe being open to what those those products might be. Is that is that kind of how yeah, you would yeah, translate yeah. And that? I think, I think as well when we first after we had our amazing crop, we soon realised that there was no mechanical processing um, that we go to. Also, we had no money at this point, and it's actually amazing what you can do with the people around you and the um materials around you like we built all our hand equipment um out of upcycled wood uh, we got all the community involved to build different pieces and we ended up we did it like they did 100 years ago but we ended up with 
really really beautiful fiber that then we got 50 spinners all together hand spinners from all around the uk they came and hand spun our hemp um and we naturally dyed that and ended up with some really beautiful lovely samples with yeah we spent little money uh just the power of community and the materials around us so don't let things like that stop you and always yeah i think things are possible yeah, there's a way a way around everything. Yeah, yeah thank you. And um, you've talked about a few of the different uses for hemp. So in terms of your favourite circular economy example, when you're explaining to people what circular economy is all about, is there a hemp related one or is there something else that you tend to to use as an example? Well, I mean, hemp is, it's, yeah, hemp would be though just, I can't, it's difficult to stop talking about hemp really, Catherine, but in terms of um, sector economy example and people, I'm going to go to talk about where we grow the hemp, Wakelands Farm. Uh, it's a really incredible place. I feel so blessed that I ended up living just a mile and a half down the road from this place. It's the longest established agroforestry site in Europe, and it's been organic since 1995. It's had no chemical or animal fertilizer put on that land since 1995. It's the trees that do all the work. So that is just exciting in itself. It's only a small farm, 56 acres, but the uh, current owners, David and Amanda Wolf, they are keeping it as it was intended by Professor Wolf, who stays his father, as a place for experimentation and new ways of using the land, um, new ways of encouraging people onto the land. And David's uh, attitude is that he wants stacked ethical businesses to come and use the land in different ways. So, for instance, they started growing um, lentils up there with Hod a company called Hobnodods, I think 12 years ago. And now there are 16 different farms in East Anglia growing lentils. So, you know, that is an example of a, a great Wakelands success. Mm. So he has uh, agreed us for us to grow our hemp there. If we make a success of it and we can, you know, push that hemp out further into East Anglia, keep going the message, then that will be another great Wakelands success. They grow them and had a fantastic vegetable CSA up there called Real Veg. Everything is no dig, it's all organic, it's locally produced, obviously, and locally delivered. And, you know, it's it's, it's just a different way of thinking about uh, how we're going to use the land. When you leave the Wakelands, you see these huge, huge, huge monoculture fields, you know, 20, 30 acres mm. of that rape that's covered in insecticide, no insects. You can mm. walk through the footpath in the middle of that. There's nothing. It's a dead zone. Mm. You get into Wakelands and the air is full of insects and birds. And so just to have that place as an example for other people to see how it can be done. You know, they grow this incredible wheat there, Catherine, called the YQ wheat, which is, it stands for yield quality. And uh, it was developed by uh, Professor Martin Wolf. Lots of different types of wheat all grown together. So when you see it growing, there's tall, thin ones and short, fat ones. It's all harvested together and doesn't need insecticide, doesn't need herbicide because of the way they all grow differently. Mm. They outcompete the weeds and uh, are able to resist insects. So, you know, it seems quite simple and logical, but you need to have some places really proving the worth of these ideas. And Wakelands Farm has done that. So that's my, that's my number one disruptor. Yeah, thank you. Sounds amazing. And uh, I've got a friend in in uh, Suffolk, so um, maybe I'll have to try and yeah. tie in a visit to Wakelands and a visit do to it. see Nina. Yeah. yeah, do it. So yeah, do and it. how about how about you, Kitty? Is there an example that you um, talk about when people ask what what the circular economy is all about? 
Um, I think Harrison Spinks are quite a good one. That's just popped into the top of my head right now. Um, they make natural uh, mattresses um, and hemp is a part of the natural ma uh, mattresses um, and everything they do is uh, circular. So I was up there in a meeting up at the farm where they grow the hemp um, and process it. And we were having the meeting in a hemp house that was fueled by hemp biomass. And that was all the waste of the hemp they didn't use. So everything's just circular. And I think, yeah, I just think they're doing a really good job of it. Yeah, and I think a few years ago they even bought a um, a wood nearby to use as some of the um, uh, you know to provide timber for um, some of the, the beds and mattresses and so on. So yeah, um, that's a another and another Yorkshire example. So <laughs> yeah, great. And if you could wave a magic wand and change one thing overnight to help create a better world, what would that be? Government thinking, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm a big fan of Bob Marley, and I'd say until a philosophy which holds one race superior and another inferior is finally and permanently discredited and abandoned, everywhere will be war. So I'd say one love, one people. Mm, yeah, I like it. Thank you. Thank you. And finally, how can people find out more and get in touch with you and Contemporary Hempery? Instagram's probably the best one to go to at the moment. Our website is a work in progress at the moment, uh, but uh, we check, we post everything. We want to be fully transparent in absolutely everything we do. Obviously, there's pros and cons of social media, but we post absolutely everything we do on Contemporary Hempery. Um, so, yeah, give us a message on there, or you can email us at he hello at contemporaryhempery.com. Fantastic. Thank you very much. And is there anything else you need to, you want to add to call this interview complete? No, I think we're pretty much well we've covered you couldn't cover it all because we'd be here for days but um... yeah, we could talk about him forever <laughs> great stuff. evangelists yes yeah well we need we need evangelists in all sorts of areas of regeneration and, and circular economy don't we so yeah keep yeah. keep evangelizing so thanks so much claire and kitty that's been thank absolutely you. fascinating and i can't wait to see what's coming next thank you so thanks, much Catherine. thank you Kitty and Claire have kindly provided some information and links, both to businesses in the UK making hemp products and to the information from the European Union that I drew from at the start of this episode. I also found an article in Science Direct with a nice diagram showing examples of the wide range of products we can create from each part of the hemp plant. So that's a wrap for this episode of the Circular Economy podcast. Thank you to our inspiring and pioneering guests this week, Claire O'Sullivan and Kitty Wilson-Brown of Contemporary Hempery. You can find out more about Claire, Kitty and Contemporary Hempery, follow them on social media and check out the other links we mentioned in the show notes at circulareconomypodcast.com. The Circular Economy podcast is brought to you by Rethink Global, the company I started to help you succeed with Circular. You can find information on my talks, workshops and advice, plus Circular Economy resources at rethinkglobal.info. And you can connect with me, Catherine Wheatman, on LinkedIn. I believe we can all help make the circular economy happen through the choices we make at work and in our everyday lives. Buying pre-used, keeping what we have for longer, repairing it and making sure it has another life. 
Those choices send strong signals to companies and governments, making it clear we all want a better, circular and regenerative future. We can do better with less. We can all help spread the word too. Talk about the circular economy and help other people find this podcast by leaving us a rating and a review on your podcast app. If you're just starting out with the circular economy, why not check out our Getting Started playlist on the podcast homepage. You could also buy my award-winning book, A Circular Economy Handbook, How to Build a More Resilient, Competitive and Sustainable Business. It takes you through the concepts and practicalities with hundreds of real examples from all around the world. We've made it easier for you to find episodes on the key circular economy strategies or for a market sector or specific countries. Check out the interactive podcast index. There's a link on the podcast homepage at circulareconomypodcast.com. Thanks so much for listening to the end. And if you like what you're hearing, please hit subscribe and I'll see you next time.